for all of us who are followers of Jesus. One day you are going to taste of something like you have never tasted of it before. Something so rich, so marvelous, so sweet. It will satisfy you like nothing has satisfied you before. Something that will be beyond comprehension. Something too great to even describe with words. It will be something you feel through the entirety of who you are like you have never felt anything before. And it's because God will be there and Satan will not be there. It's because all the wrongs and the hurts and the pains of this fractured and broken world will be healed. It will be gone on that day. Everything will be whole and right and pure and good. It won't be the, the watered-down good of this world, a, a, a good hamburger or a good view of the sunset. No, this will be a glorious good. This will be the epitome of what good is. It will be when all you feel is good and you don't ever taste of anything bad. That's the fullness of the kingdom of God and that's what it's going to be like in heaven on that day. After we stand before God at the time of the final judgment and for all of us who are in Christ, who are followers of Jesus, true followers of Jesus, and we are brought into the, into the, the kingdom of God in heaven. We are in the kingdom of God here on this earth, but we will experience it in fullness there. Now we just taste of it a bit, but we're also part of this broken world and this fallen world, and the kingdom of Satan is also active around us. The kingdom of God and kingdom of Satan are in this great duel, which they have been engaged in since the beginning of time, almost. But on that day, it will all be done. And so when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, we talk about it with great hope, with great joy, with great anticipation. We love it because we get a taste of pieces of it now. There's this miraculous healing there. There's this profound act of love over here. There is God doing what only he could do. And we, we taste of it and we say, yes, this is the kingdom of heaven. This is just a small picture of what heaven is going to be like. But in the midst of it, we just long on this earth to see the kingdom of God advance more and more and more, push back the kingdom of darkness, and taste of as much of that kingdom of God, that kingdom of heaven, as we can on this earth. Well, that's what Jesus was all about. That's really what the book of Matthew is all about. It's about the coming of the kingdom. Jesus was the one to come install the kingdom of God. We are told in Scripture, in the book of Colossians, that when Jesus died on the cross, he made a spectacle of the powers and authorities. Now, those are the demonic powers and authorities. That's Satan and his demons. Jesus made a spectacle of them that day on the cross. He defeated them. It was the ultimate defeat. Now, they continue to do what they can do to try to cause as many problems as they can, but we know, we are assured, the book of Revelation tells us that one day Satan and his demons will be thrown into the lake of fire. 
So we know that Jesus came to install the kingdom of God. We know that he won that ultimate victory over Satan. But we know that these two kingdoms are continuing in their duel. And so the book of Matthew has been talking about the importance of the kingdom of God. And we're picking it up today in Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. As Jesus continues with some parables to help us understand the kingdom of God even more. Verse 24. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, those are used interchangeably. And it's another farmer analogy. A man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grains, then the weeds appeared also. Now, what we think here, according to the Greek, we think that this was a type of weed that closely resembled the wheat. And so when it first germinated, when it first came out of the ground, you could hardly tell the difference. And there was wisdom in waiting to make sure that you could really tell which one was the wheat and which one was the weed because it would become more apparent over time. Verse 26, when the plants came up and bore grain and the weeds appeared also, and the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now you may be reading this as I did, saying, what in the world does this mean? Thankfully, we're going to get an interpretation of this, just as we did earlier in the book of Matthew on another parable. We're going to get it uh, later in the chapter, and we'll touch on that in just a moment. But let's jump on to verse 31. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds. All right. So mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds. You might remember another analogy where Jesus was talking to his disciples about having faith like a mustard seed. If you have faith like a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Because a mustard seed is the smallest of seeds. And if your faith was even just that small, mountains can be moved. It's so encouraging to me. I love how the scriptures don't expect us to be uh, superhuman. Or, or, or just these just these uh, greater-than-life followers of Jesus. No, it's, just, it's just very raw and very real. If your faith can just be like a mustard seed, God can even move mountains through you. Okay, well, here's another analogy on the mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven, so again, the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, interchangeable, is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown... It is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, uh, typically 8 to 12 feet tall, so taller than the plants of the garden, and it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests 
in its branches. It is a full-on tree. It's such a small seed, but it becomes a full-on tree. This was an incredible picture of the kingdom of God. How the kingdom of God would appear so small and become so big in comparison. Now, this was probably a little bit shocking for the Israelites when they were, when they were hearing at that parable. They wanted the kingdom of God just to come in great power. The Roman Empire was dominating the Jews at this time. And they wanted the Messiah to come in great military power and destroy the Roman Empire, set the Israelites free, and install an unbelievable kingdom on this earth. But Jesus was talking about a different kingdom. Not one that was just grounded in this earth, but that was coming from heaven, the kingdom of God, greater than any kingdom of this earth, but different than any kingdom of this earth. Just like the mustard seed. It would come really small, almost imperceptible, but become so big. And isn't the story, isn't this the story of Christianity from the beginning, really? I mean, think about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the, the patriarchs, and somehow the whole Jewish uh, people came from them? How about the fact that the Israelites were slaves in Egypt? And then wandering in the wilderness, would anyone have predicted that they would have become this great nation that would have dominated uh, so many other nations? How about the fact that in the midst of the Roman Empire, the Messiah came, Jesus, the promised one, who was to come bring that new kingdom, not the kingdom they were expecting, but, but another kingdom. But he came at that point in history when they were again under a great oppression. Who would have thought he would have been born of a virgin and and placed in a manger. Who would think that he would die on a cross, the worst type of death in the Roman Empire, bloody and beaten and, and scorned by the people? Who would thought that that was the plan that the Almighty God had for bringing his kingdom to this earth? So the mustard seed's an incredible picture of it and an incredible picture of hope for us today. Maybe God's put something on your heart and it just feels like it's taking so long to come to fruition. The mustard seed is our hope. Maybe you see something that God is doing, but there are just so many obstacles and it feels like, can something this small really become something great? But the mustard seed is our hope. When we look at the things of this world, whether for us as individuals or for our church or ministries or anything happening around us. We can never dismiss the plan of God. He is the one who all throughout history has taken something that seemed like it was not a good plan and turned it into something glorious. He has taken the small and made it enormous. God is the God who writes his own story in his time, in his way, for his glory, and we simply trust him, trust him, trust him, Trust him, trust him. Our lives are either going to be dictated by ourselves because we try to micromanage and control, we get stressed out and anxious, or we submit all things to the living God. And we say, if the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, you have got a plan we can't see. We are going to trust you in that, rest in that, and just worship you as you do what you're going to do. Our God is so great. Verse 33, he told him another parable. 
The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Now, I am not a cook. In fact, if you have ever eaten my cooking, you are a brave human. My uh, brother-in-law, Alan, I got way more than his share of ability, and I got way less than mine, and I highly recommend uh, uh, his cooking. But when I come to a parable in the scriptures about cooking or baking, I'm having to wrap my mind around this. So the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leaven. Other places in the scripture, leaven can be negative connotation. This is positive. It's hidden in the three uh, measures of flour and then just wait until it gets all leavened. Another picture of the kingdom of God where sometimes it seems hidden, not really clear, not really plain, just kind of somewhere there. But in the course of time, God is going to do what he's going to do. Again, writing his story in the way that you would not expect. This was Jesus' message over and over uh, to the people here. Of, don't try to predict how God's going to do what he's going to do. Just trust him in the midst of it and don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't just look at something and say, well, God can't be in that and turn aside too quick. Give God time to do what he's going to do. Wait while it all becomes leavened. Verse 34, all these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Like we said before, he wanted to get them thinking and pondering on these things and allow them to, to rest deeply inside of them. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. So Jesus quoting Isaiah, the prophet from the Old Testament, I will open my mouth in parables, utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. These great, glorious truths presented in parables so that people could capture them, hopefully remember them since we remember stories better and really meditate on them until we grasp the truth. Then we come to verse 36. This is going to be the explanation for the first parable that Jesus told. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. I would have done the same thing. The other two parables, I can get a little bit easier. But that first one uh, loses me. So... The disciples come and they ask Jesus the burning question that, that I want to know. And perhaps you want to know. Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Okay, hang with me here. In the beginning, God made everything perfect. And then sin came into the world as Satan, the enemy of God, tempted Eve, the first woman, she sinned. Adam, the first man, also sinned. And everyone after them have sinned. You've sinned, I've sinned, we've all sinned. Sin is just simply not living in the way that God wants. It's, it's rebelling against God. It's, it's doing the things that we want. 
And we're all born into sin, the Bible tells us. We don't roll out of the womb living these perfect, holy lives. We are born into sin. And so all of us have been riddled with sin. Sin separates us from God because he's holy and righteous and perfect. And we are not worthy to be in his presence and to, to dwell with him. But God loved us so much, he sent Jesus to come and live a perfect life on this earth, the only one who ever has. And when he died on the cross, he became a sacrifice for you and for me to take our sin away if we believe in him and trust him and repent of our sin. If we follow him with everything that we have, then he saves us and he brings us into his kingdom and he will wash our sins away and he will work in our lives as only he can and he will one day take us to be with him in heaven. That is the gospel. That is the good news, the gloriously good news of what God has done for us in Jesus. So with that in mind, verse 37, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. That's Jesus. He's the one coming with the gospel of the kingdom. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Sons of the kingdom are believers, those who are followers of Jesus who are in the kingdom of God. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. Okay, there are two kingdoms, the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God. They're only two kingdoms. They're not more than two kingdoms. I don't have a kingdom. You don't have a kingdom. Only God and Satan have kingdoms. When we're born, we're born into the kingdom of Satan because we're not followers of Jesus. We have not repented of our sins and believed in him. We are not yet in the kingdom of God. So we are born as sinners. We are born into the kingdom of Satan until the day that God saves us. And when he saves us, Colossians chapter one tells us, he transfers us from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. That glorious uh, transfer that shifts our entire eternity uh, to uh, an anticipation of heaven and being with God forever in heaven. So the field is the world, the good seed is the sons of the kingdom, those who are believers, followers of Jesus. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, which means the weeds are the non-believers, those who have not yet followed Jesus, those who are still trapped in the kingdom of Satan. So they're called here the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. So again, Satan's kingdom and non-believers, all those who are not following Jesus who are in uh, his kingdom. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are angels. So at the end of the age, there will be the day of judgment where God weighs us to see each one of us if we are believers, if we are true followers of Jesus, or we're non-believers, we're not followers of Jesus, in which case we are still caught and trapped in the kingdom of Satan. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels. They will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. Now, out of his kingdom in the sense that by that point, we will have passed this earth and be to the place of judgment and go into his kingdom if we are the followers of Jesus. Otherwise, we are removed from that. And uh, the, the Bible tells us here, a gathering everyone, all causes of sin 
and all lawbreakers. So again, those who have not followed God, those who are still trapped in sin, living in sin, lawbreakers against the, the law of God, those who, those who are following Satan rather than God. Now, someone may say, I, I'm not following Satan. I'm, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but I'm not following Satan. But the, the Bible would say we are either followers of Jesus or we are in the way of Satan. Even if we are not knowingly, consciously following Satan, if our lives are not honoring God, they're honoring Satan. So we are in the, the way of Satan because there are only those two kingdoms. So, verse 41, the Son of Man will send his angels. They will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. That's hell. So, at the end of the age, for those who are in the kingdom of God, there's heaven, perfect, pure, holy, righteous, full of joy, immeasurably good. And then on the other side, there's hell. A fiery furnace, indescribable pain, eternal torment. And worst of all, in my mind, the complete absence of a merciful, loving, gracious God. Because he's in heaven. And in hell, in the lake of fire, you just have Satan and his demons. So in that place, verse 42, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a description uh, used in the scriptures to talk about immense pain and torment. I just want to weep when I read of this and I think of what it means for those who are on that fast track to hell, trapped in the kingdom of Satan. Maybe they have yet to hear the glorious news. Maybe they're in unreached tribes or unreached people groups around the world. Maybe they're from unreached tribes or people groups who have come to Houston, but they have yet to hear. I remember one of our Hope outreaches a few years ago when we went to a mall. And as our home group was moving around the mall, had the privilege with another brother to get to share with a guy who was, who was from a Muslim background. And it was really a joy and honor uh, to get to share with him. But I remember walking away thinking, has anyone shared the gospel with him? He'd been in Houston by that time. I think it was over a decade. And I thought in that entire decade, as he heard the gospel, he's been living in Houston, but has he heard the good news? And I'm so immensely grateful for hopefuls who are engaging different parts of our city, reaching out, sharing the gospel, loving, caring, praying, serving giving meals and providing in other ways and reflecting the love of Christ and sharing the greatest news of all time. There must be something that burns in us when we think about the reality that billions of people on this planet are on a fast track to an eternity of pain and torment removed from the loving and gracious God. It's the reason why Shauna and Allison and Timothy and Titus and I are called to South Sudan to pursue the church leaders and work together with them so we can collectively go after those who many have not heard the gospel in certain places in, 
in South Sudan. Others have heard parts, but they haven't heard it in fullness. And this is the greatest news of all time. I mean, my eternity hinges on this news and yours does as well and theirs does as well. And they've got to hear and there has to be something in us that says we can't sit still. We've got to pray and we've got to give and we've got to go and we've got to serve and we've got to be a people who are radically pursuing those who are trapped in the kingdom of Satan. Oh God, will you use us? I just pray desperately that God will use us as a church, us as individuals, each in our own way, in our own role, as we come before him with open hands and we say, God, whatever that looks like in my life, we just do it. I wanna run after those who have yet to receive the greatest news of all time and I beg of you that you will use my life for your glory. And some of us say, but, but we don't have the words to say, but God will give you the words. And others say, we don't have the strength, but he'll give you the strength. And some will say, we don't have the time, but God will show you what to do. Whatever the obstacles are, he will show us that we pursue him. If we come before him and say, hey, God, my heart is your heart. I want to go after those you love and care for you so love the world that you sent your only son, Jesus. It was God's love. His love propelled him to send Jesus to save you and me. And his love propels us to pursue all those who have yet to receive the greatest news of all time. It is my desperate prayer that you and I will never become settled in this life. Never get to the point where we are just trapped in the day to day and failing to think about the reality of the weight of eternity in a good and glorious way, celebrating what God has done and how he's touched you and me and how he is stirring so many around the world and then deeply praying and, and giving and going to engage those who have yet to follow Christ, not by our power, but by the power of the living God in us. It is my desperate prayer that God is going to touch Hope Church. And in days and months and years and decades to come, we are going to see him move like we could not imagine. He's the God of the mustard seed. And he's the God who's at work in our church to do what only he can do. Verse 43, then the righteous will shine like sun in the kingdom of their father. How beautiful. The glory of God reflecting there in heaven. Almost the picture that the righteous will shine like sun. Not, not righteous by our own goodwill, but the grace of God over our lives who has made us holy, forgiven us of our sins, brought us into the kingdom of God. And there in heaven, the glory of God, it's, it's almost this picture, the glory of God will just reflect off of us like a mirror. The righteous will shine like sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. In other ways, in other ways, uh, Jesus says, don't miss this. If you have ears, hear it. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. All of eternity hinges on this. This is gloriously good. Let me invite you to come, prayer team and music team. Hope family, it is pure joy to be together with you in the scriptures. 
I am honored and grateful beyond words. I love you, love you, love you beyond what I can ever describe. And I am just so thankful for the opportunity today to open the scriptures and see what God has for us in Matthew chapter 13. I'd like to offer us a special invitation as we move into our time of prayer now. This has just been in my heart for us. Just an encouragement to come if you'd really like prayer for one of two things. It could be anything. Please come for anything that God's on your heart. But if you're a guest or a covenant member with, with us, uh, we're going to start to sing after I pray. Our prayer team is in the front. And if you have never followed Jesus before, uh, it's really simple, Jesus' message, just to repent and believe. You are repenting of your sins. You are asking God to forgive you of all that you have done. And you are believing in who Jesus is. You're going to follow him in fullness with all that you have. We'd love to talk with you about that. We would love to pray with you about that. We deeply love you. And we deeply care about your relationship with the living God and would be so honored to get to talk and pray with you. So we'd invite you to come. If you are a follower of Jesus um, already, maybe, maybe you have been struggling with uh, one of two things. Maybe you've been struggling with just a sense of trust. And this reminder of the kingdom of heaven and the mustard seed is just giving you hope and encouragement and you wanna lean in on that trust in God. I wanna encourage you to come. Just receive prayer for trust, for peace. I've really been meditating on Isaiah 26.3 this week. That God will give us perfect peace to those who are steadfast, whose minds remain steadfast because we trust in him. With trust comes peace. And if you've been grappling for peace in life, I wanna encourage you to come. That's just on my heart. And then the other one is maybe through this time in the book of Matthew today, God has just given you a burning for those who have yet to hear the good news about Jesus or, or those who have yet to to move from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. And you just want to come pray for others that they would know God's love and they would know who he is and the, the wonder and the glory of the kingdom of God, that they would taste of it themselves. I want to encourage you to come. I want to encourage us to be a people that lean in on the heart of God and just that, that burning, yearning, longing for all people to see and know the living God. Let's pray together. Father, it is such an honor, such a gift, and such a joy to have this time together. And Father, we so deeply long for you to move right now. Even as I'm praying, I just have such a sense of you stirring and moving touching different ones of us in different ways. You have a work you want to do right here in this moment. It's an encouragement and a joy and a hope for some of us. It's a calling to more uh, for others of us. You wanna touch some of us in some particular ways and maybe 
For some of us, it's just right in our seat. Maybe for some of us, it's turning to the person next to us and just sharing together and asking them to pray for us. Uh, for, for many of us, maybe it's going down to the front and, and just receiving prayer. God, I ask that you give us courage and boldness to do it, to respond, that your spirit would touch us, move in us. We ask for your heart. We ask for your power. We pray that you would move as only you can. We want to experience the kingdom of God in radical fullness in our lives, all across our church, across our city, in our homes. We pray that you move in power and you push back the, the kingdom of darkness and explode in glorious light. God, we love you. We worship you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your truth. And we thank you that you're calling us. You're calling us. You're doing your work in us. We love you. We worship you. We just move in power now. We praise you and trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.